Puppy Podcast brought to you by Journey Dog Training and the Pandemic Puppy Raising Support Group on Facebook. I'm your host, Kayla Fratt, and I am super excited to be here. Um, I'm talking to Christine Young today about enrichment for puppies. Christine is a CPDTKA dog trainer, and she's a dog lifestyle expert with over 20 years of experience with dogs and horses. Um, Christine is an online dog trainer who specializes in puppies and recall and is really obsessed with enrichment. She channels her creative arts background into unique puzzle adventures for dogs. It can be as fun to create the enrichment as it is to watch our dogs engage and investigate. So Christine shares her life with Pico. Is that how, how you pronounce his name? It is orange Pico tea. That's the spelling. Oh, cute. Dogs. Who is a soon to be five-year-old mini Aussie, mini American shepherd. Um, he's a sweet, sensitive, silly boy who loves to show off and he gets to go to work with her every day and is great with puppies. Um, so he sounds like he's got a pretty great life and uh, gets to share a lot of fun adventures with you. We both do. I feel so lucky to have him. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I do really love the little mini Americans. Um, they're on my list of breeds to watch right now. Well, and I was such a big dog person and he's mm -hmm. an over, oversized mini. So it's like the perfect uh -huh. mix where he's, he's not too small, not too big, but I would go smaller now. I, I'm fascinated mm -hmm. with uh, every day that I learn. There's so many dogs I want now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know the feeling. Yeah. I keep trying to get a smallish border collie. I feel like I really want that like 30 to 35 pound range. Um, and I just keep ending up with 50 pound border collies. Um, <laughs> Oh, well. Um, so as a reminder, before we get started with Christine, um, our podcast is supported by members over on Patreon. So for as little as $3 a month, you support this podcast and get perks like submitting questions for us to tackle at the end of each episode. So make sure you sign up over at patreon.com slash pandemic puppy. So let's start at the very beginning, Christine, with defining what enrichment is, particularly for canines. Canine enrichment engages our dog senses and improves their lifestyle. We can provide a range of puzzle-like challenges to improve both their physical and mental well-being. Each of their natural behaviors, such as sniffing, foraging, playing, shredding, licking, chasing, chewing, and so much more, are the things we want to pay attention to to provide particular enrichment for our yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, one of the points that I've heard made a lot about enrichment lately that I think um, is really important for us to keep in mind is, you know, reminding ourselves that our dogs are, you know, captive animals that live in these really pretty sterile, boring, socially understimulating environments and thinking, you know, if this were a zoo animal or, um, you know, thinking through really hard about how to make sure that they're living these really enriched lives with a variety of, you know, appropriate outlets. Um, and so I know that's kind of the way that I've thought about it a lot recently is comparing it to a zoo, um, which I, I, I'm sure is hard for some people to hear or for some people to think about because we don't think of our animals, of our dogs as captive. Um, you know, they, we, we love them and we want, they're our pets, and, but um, at the same time with how much time they spend alone or, you know, being ignored while we're recording podcasts or whatever it is, um, you know, trying to make their lives more enriching. Um, so you mentioned flirt poles and decompression walks. Can you um, tell our listeners who don't know what those are, um, what a flirt pole and what a decompression walk is? Sure. Let's start with Sarah Streming's decompression yeah, walks. Yes. And if anyone does not know and is not following Sarah's advice on this, getting our dogs out for the appropriate amount of time with the appropriate amount of freedom, whether that's having a great recall that you can have them off leash where they are allowed off leash or using long lines and drag lines. Um, when we get them out and about to um, truly engage in the environment to sniff and dig and forage and find things and head out and come back to us. This mm -hmm. is mental stimulation versus a walk right beside us on a four to six foot leash. It's a very different experience for the dog. And most of us, um, don't have the opportunity to, I kind of share with my clients that I think a lot of dogs need, um, two 45-minute off-leash walks twice a day to make up for what mm -hmm. we what we 
don't provide for them. And most people's lifestyle can't do that. So if you can't yeah. be at, heading out doing two 45-minute off-leash hikes a day, what else can you provide in your lifestyle? And so the flirt pole is a go-to. I, I always want to advise people to be careful with flirt poles too because it's a, it's a, it can be a quick fix. And mm-hmm. we want to make sure with a young puppy that we're not doing it too long and too much on one side and too fast. You know, as your dog gets older, a flirt pole can be, um, when I have client calls and I don't have time in between to get my dog out, I love that I can go outside and do the flirt pole with cues in between. So it's that mental Mm -hmm. stimulation in between the running around of the flirt pole that really helps him get his energy out and take a nap when I'm on the phone with the next client. Yeah. And so, you know, like a flirt pole is kind of like a a, a stick with like a bungee on the end and then a toy at the end of it. And you can kind of whip it around. They're really great for dogs who, you know, maybe don't like fetch, maybe like chasing things, but aren't as into the retrieving part, or you can play tug with them. Um, They're really good for kind of think like a wand toy for a cat. Um, And they're, they're awesome. You can use them in really small spaces. Um, Yeah. Is that kind of what you, how you sure, use it. and there's mm-hmm. and there's really great ones to buy that can be pricey, and you can make one out of PVC with a rope and a toy. You can. Um, one of my clients last week made one out of a plastic broom handle. With it had a hole at the end of the handle, and just to tie a lightweight rope on a plastic broom handle that she bought at Home Depot, just a really nice right. lightweight thing that tied the rope on it was even easier than the pvc pipe i was like oh my gosh that's so and again that's the fun thing for me like what what can i make what can i do and seeing all the different things that my clients come up with once i get them started on the ideas is just the most fun yeah absolutely i've been really loving um my puppy niffler is about 18 or 19 weeks old right now i forget um and um I've been surprised how much he just loves like shredding my junk mail. Um, My older dog, Barley, is uh, seven, seven and a half, and he's not really interested in that. But the puppy, like, I can just take all my junk mail and put it inside of a cardboard box. And, you know, before I put it in the recycling, I just let him shred it. And um, it's amazing how much fun he can have with trash. And another one, if people happen to have, we hardly have these anymore, is like a phone book. Yeah. And those big, those big old phone books are super fun for do- young dogs to tear apart. And again, we want to make sure they're not ingesting. And mm-hmm. so if you have a dog that, and, and pu- some puppies want to, are vacuums and they want to ingest anything that comes their way. They're, they're just figuring out what everything is. And so pay attention with all of the enrichment that we share with you guys. You know, you've got to observe and you've got to make sure it's appropriate for your dog, but there is a creative um, workaround for if your dog ingests paper, cardboard, the different things that some dogs will tear apart and not ingest. One of the workarounds that I like to share with people is a Tyvek envelope or a large Costco type vegetable bag. And both of these are really big. And the Tyvek mailing envelope, Tyvek is a plastic lightweight material. It's those soft mailers that we get stuff in and they're, they're really hard to rip open. So that's what makes them really great to put some food inside it, wrap it up and put it in a cup. They don't stay wrapped up like a paper bag would stay wrapped up. But if Mm -hmm. your dog will ingest some of the paper bag when they're taking the food out of tearing it apart, you don't want to start with a paper bag. If you start with this Tyvek or those big vet frozen vegetable bags from Costco, again, they don't wrap well, but you still can put something delicious inside, Mm -hmm. put it in a cup, and then they can pull it out and unwrap it. And some of the young dogs that um, are just learning what to ingest, as long as you approach the enrichment in ways that you slowly introduce things, they learn that, oh, this is the good stuff. I don't need to eat that paper and plastic that I've torn off. I can eat, I can search for the good stuff. And it's a slow, steady process. And of course, there's some dogs that you can't give enrichment to because they like to ingest everything. It's mm-hmm. how, how often do you find it? I find it's if you approach it slow, it's not it's kind of rare that a dog can't learn the good stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I would say most of the dogs I've worked with, and even, I mean, I've worked in shelters where we would make 
you know, a hundred peanut butter stuffed toilet paper rolls and give them out to a hundred dogs at once. And yeah, I mean, 99 of those kennels, we would go back and pick up, you know, a bunch of shredded cardboard. And I'm sure a couple of them ate a little bit of cardboard as they were getting at it. But um, in my population of dogs that I've worked with, I would say most of the time it has not been an issue. Particularly, I like you made the point of, you know, if you make the enrichment material that you don't want them to eat less appealing and then offer them something more appealing they're over time most dogs are going to learn to to work within those parameters and you know especially like in the shelter environment where we were giving these dogs um enrichment that we were going to be leaving them unattended with um you know we chose things like cardboard where you know yeah it's not great if they eat it but it's going to pass um and it's not dangerous if they eat a little bit of um undyed paper or cardboard um, yeah you know not, not something you want your puppy to be eating every day but um you know it in the grand scheme of things it's far less dangerous um than some other potential enrichment items to leave a dog unattended with yes and the more we provide these things in those short little 10 minute enrichment sessions that you're observing the less voracious they are to pay attention to me let's do this you know that you get to calm them down through providing enrichment and management and so i just find it so helpful to really coach clients through the details of do it slow, observe it. And if we talk about like a, an egg carton is kind of a, a next one that they often don't mm -hmm. want to ingest an egg carton. And you can really do this process slowly with egg carton enrichment by, if you have a fearful dog with new things in their environment, you can put an egg carton that's open down and put some treats or kibble in it and see if they wanna just engage with that slowly so that they're just getting used to oh, this is interesting. Oh, there's good stuff in there. And mm -hmm. if they start feeling safe with it and, and or if you have a dog who wants to go after that thing in the first place, you can close it and then they have to open it before they get their food out. And mm -hmm. if they succeed seed with this, then you can put scotch tape around it. And then they have to figure out how do I get it open with that tearing that scotch tape apart. And again, mm -hmm. you have to make sure they don't ingest the scotch tape. Um, but my dog needs duct tape. You know, he's had so much enrichment that I'm gonna wrap an egg carton together with some duct tape to make it really challenging. Or I'm gonna put that egg carton taped into a puzzle box to provide 20 minutes of fun that has food puzzles, toys, sniffing things. You know, we can keep leveling up and it's so important to not level up until your dog has those small successes with the first thing mm -hmm. that you in introduce them to. That's the thing that so many clients are like, I tried enrichment and it doesn't work. Most likely you've asked for too much too fast, like all of our training. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, I know even this morning, my puppy has, um, it's kind of a, a like a dumbbell shaped rolly um, kibble dispensing toy that has three holes in it, I think, that are that are decently big, like nickel-sized. And he's really, really great at that, really fast at that for his breakfast. So today I tried giving him a cog wobbler, which only has one hole in it. It's a little bit smaller. Um, and I had to kind of sit on the ground with him and help him bat it around and, and work up to it. Um, and he, you know, got... 10 or 15 good pounces on it and then laid down next to me and was like, eh, this is kind of hard. So I just gave him the rest of his breakfast, you know, um, we're, yes. we're working up to it. And I think I've made the mistake before of giving a dog a Kong wobbler walking away, um, like a foster dog or something and coming back like five hours later and realizing that they never got to their breakfast. Um, yeah. And yeah. that's not fun for anyone. Um, that's not a, Yeah. You know, yeah, we uh, want tiny victories and small prizes, and we want to mm -hmm. be right beside them, coaching them, praising them, and helping them. You know, and who, who doesn't have fun with this? Watching your dog succeed, and when they look up at you, like, mm -hmm. I got it, mom, I got it. It's so yeah. fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, that's, I, I'm so glad that we're talking about it being like a fun thing that needs to be um, enjoyable for everyone. Because I know sometimes when I'm bringing this up with clients, I get a little bit of pushback of like, oh, isn't it mean to make them work for their food? Like, why, you know, why, why don't they just get their food for free? And I think if we kind of reframe that through the lens of it being a game and boredom busting and, you know, reminding ourselves how sterile most of our dogs' lives are, that can be helpful. How do you, uh, um, kind of approach that conversation if you get that that sort of question from a client. 
I like telling them about contra freeloading in the sense mm-hmm. that most dogs actually prefer to work for food if it's not too frustrating, you know, in the sense that especially if you're into training and your dog starts getting the opportunity to train with you and enjoys training, they prefer to train for the prizes than to just get a whole pile of the prize. They want that Mm -hmm. mental engagement time to be with you, to be learning, to be winning, to be succeeding. And even, you know, there's this dance of making it easy, but leveling up. And I Mm -hmm. love helping clients with leveling up with enrichment first before training. Like when I was terrified to speak out loud about training when I was new to it, I decided to do 30 days of talking about enrichment because it was so much easier to talk about enrichment than the details of training. And so I compare training and enrichment so that they can win easy and and just really show them things that combine enrichment and management that will make their life so much easier. Cause we're dog nerds and we're going to turn, train our dogs all the time. Mm-hmm. We, we love it. But with clients, you know, how can I win them over? How can I get them having fun? And I love any, any clients that are creative, like to challenge them to show me what you do next week, you know, give them an idea of what to do and, and which one did you buy? Which one did you DIY and challenge them with that versus, um, doing behavior modification training where you have to send me a video of all of the, you know, the details of that's the hard work. And if you combine it together, um, it's, it's been really fun to see the success rate that clients have had by incorporating so many different styles of enrichment. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I think that also kind of leads us into, you know, why enrichment can be helpful or how enrichment can kind of help, you know, not just improve your dog's quality of life, but also help through um, challenges, particularly with puppies. Um, So what are some of the like benefits that you see in your clients' dogs um, by adding more enrichment, puppies in particular? I would say frozen enrichment and licky mats is the number one enrichment that I teach clients first so that they can condition containment slowly. And so having a puppy that gets um, access to small areas into big areas is a way that you can make house training so much easier. So crate training your dog in a way that it's that your dog looks forward to going into the crate because enrichment is in there is a way that you can build that containment slowly. So let me try to describe an example of it. I will ask clients to tie a topple toy with a piece of fleece if they have a topple toy, the Westpaw topple toy. Other things besides tying the topple toy is um, pot holders in the form of licky mats. So pot holders have holes in them. Not all licky mats have holes in them. That pot holder, that silicone pot holder with a hole, you can put a, a piece of rope or a carabiner on. Both of these you can clip or tie to the back of your crate. And you can put a little bit of peanut butter, plain yogurt, if you're just doing a licky for a short session, that topple toy, you can put eventually put a whole meal in whether it's Mm -hmm. the uh, processed meal, or doing a little bit of wet frozen kibble in there. There's different ways that you can set it up. So you're going to tie something in the back of the crate. And the most important thing when you're doing this with puppies and any new dog that you're crate conditioning is you leave the door open. You give them the invitation to go in there and enjoy something delicious in there. And like any of us, when it's a choice, we might be more open to it. When someone shuts that door immediately behind us, if we're not too sure if if we feel safe in that space, we um, cannot relax as much as we can when we know it's a choice to go in or out. And most dogs mm-hmm. are like, oh my God, this is pretty cool having peanut butter at the end of my crate here. I'll go back in here. And so I encourage people to do the tied in enrichment in the back of their crate for two or three sessions or almost to the point where your dog is sitting in the crate going, where's my peanut butter? Mm-hmm. And once they're sitting in there saying, where's my good stuff, then you can start shutting that door for short periods of time while you sit beside them on your phone and are in the same place. And then you can start not having to tie it because you're shutting the door 
and you can provide all different kinds of enrichments. I have a snuffle mat today in my dog's crate because I was out of frozen enrichment. And so I did a snuffle mat to settle him in there before I got on the um, podcast with you. And this process of doing it slow and steady and giving them the choice to see how they feel about it is very different than here's your cool thing. I'm going to shut you in the crate and have it. Mm -hmm. Conditioning it is key. And once you condition and and let's say your dog's crate trained and you don't need it for crate training, maybe you want to condition that bathroom or laundry room to be the place that they relax. When you leave, you don't want to have the whole reign of the house for your puppy to stay in. You can condition that kind of a space in this process as well. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely makes sense. Um, Yeah. And so what about, uh, you know, beyond kind of crate training for puppies, um, you know, helping burn energy or maybe reduce chewing or nipping at people? um, Do you have other kind of enrichment or even like games that you recommend to help with some of those uh, common puppy conflicts? Two things to chat about would be um, different kind of nose work type enrichment Mm -hmm. and Probably the quick one I can share for puppy biting is um, a fleece tug toy that's three or four feet long. Mm -hmm. And again, you you can't just go to Amazon to buy this, but I give every single puppy client that I have a braided fleece tug toy that's at least three feet long. Mm -hmm. And having that fleece tug toy to walk outside for potty to... um, so many of our clients are saying that you know the puppy biting up to 16 weeks can just be really um, exhausting for everybody and it hurts and Mm -hmm. getting that getting that particular toy for them to redirect on is key and so that long fleece tug toy acts almost like the leg of a pant or the arm of a short shirt and having mm-hmm. something that, that replaces it while you're going outside and engaging that. And again, teaching the clients whatever toys are the dog's favorite to engage with is so helpful for shifting the behavior into the appropriate um using those teeth appropriately and and just that long braided fleece one is is every client who gets one of those is like okay my life's better now yeah (laughs) and they can make it if they have an old fleece blanket around you can just cut and make one Mm -hmm. um you can go to those a lot of clients kids will go to the store and buy some fleece and colors that they like so that's a fun one but i would say recognizing the power of the nose and doing enrichment through different nose work type activities that are fun versus competitive nose work. Mm -hmm. And so um, we can start with like all those Amazon boxes that we're all getting nowadays, um, providing little pieces of favorite toys or food in those boxes all in a pile together. And then you can start hiding the boxes in the room. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to just do this with boxes. You could do it with some silicone bowls or just Tupperware, whatever you have. You're going to show your puppy that good things come in these containers. And then you're going to slowly make it harder for them to find and send them on a treasure hunt inside in that small room first, then a bigger room, and then maybe outside. And great activity to teach the kids to do with them as well. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love nose work and love that as a way to kind of help wear puppies out. And particularly, you know, we're recording right now in mid February and when it's, uh, when it's cold where I am, I know you're in San Diego, but, um, ways to kind of help get all that energy out when you maybe can't be going outside or your puppy can't handle um, the temperatures for as long as, um, wouldn't be necessary to actually wear them out. And and two more that are a little more advanced, but they it, I think it puts the thought of the work that we're doing for enrichment as as fun is, and it's more training than enrichment, but teaching them to find your phone or find your keys. You uh-huh. know, so clients might want night want 
They might not want to go to a nose work class, but they might enjoy the fact that their dog could find their phone or their keys and just slowly sh learning that one activity really opens up the door of how powerful the nose is and how cool it is to take your time to teach this so that the, that everybody's having fun. Yeah. I love that. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things that we're, we're really kind of highlighting here is the fact that just about anything you do with your dog kind of can be enrichment and thinking through, you know, how you structure your dog's or your puppy's life and your puppy's day through the lens of trying to give them as much enrichment as possible. Um, it can help us kind Another of come up with a variety of things rather than just, you know, walks and food. Right. And another one that comes to mind, especially with people that are cold in, inside, is um, a balance disc. So an inflatable round balance disc. And mm -hmm. we can get them specific for dogs. They're more expensive. You can get a $20 one on Amazon that's for people to stand and balance on. And that's to me the beginner of the beginner version of canine conditioning. And if you just have one balance disc that you're teaching your dog to, again, you can just put food on it for them to expose them to it and to want to hang out with it. And then just feeding them for two paws up on that balance disc. And, mm -hmm. the, you know, so training is enrichment. And once you win, we win people over to trying these things, they're more likely to be like, okay, I'll order that. And if you have to be inside a lot with your dog and you can do canine conditioning, I have not, not known any dog that I've taught fun little canine conditioning exercises on just a balanced disc that doesn't come running for that thing every time it comes out. They're yeah. just like, oh my God, I'm so excited. And you can advance it many ways. You can also DIY if you don't have one with just using couch cushions and you're just feeding your dog for succeeding to get up and balance themselves on a couch cushion or a balance disc. Mm -hmm. And it's also something that as a trainer, sometimes I can't think through exactly what I should train next for my dog. And I know he needs some stimulation. Getting that balance disc out makes all the difference in me not having to think that hard and mm -hmm. he can engage. And again, you can advance it to do really cool pivot heel work. And so all of it can level up but you can just figure out for yourself which one of these things is interesting to me. Do I want to do heel work and obedience? Great, I'll get a balanced disc early. Do I want to, you know, have a dog that does a flirt pole with me outside? I can't run every day. So just picking the one that makes the most sense to your lifestyle. Yeah. Or I yeah, should say pick, pick with puppies, I should say picking the 10, you know, so that you um, <laughs> have 10 different things to pro provide them with because with puppies we're just going through this time frame i don't know kayla what, what is it for you as far as when do they when do you kind of take a breath you know 18 months two years two and a half years yeah i mean i think it's breed dependent and individual yeah my uh my seven-year-old i'm still kind of waiting for it um i shouldn't say that he is much easier now than he was um when he was younger. But um, I mean, I, I will say, honestly, I've noticed with Niffler, um, when he was about 15 weeks old, he started getting easier already. Um, and we'll see as he hits adolescence, um, I'm expecting him to get harder again around, I don't know, nine months or a year or so. Um, but yeah, I mean, anecdotally, like, and I think there is some research behind this that, you know, like labs and goldens and some of our favorite retrievers mature more slowly. So it might take longer um, versus some of our other other breeds may may kind of settle into a routine and act much more grown up um, and more easily satiated at a younger age. Um, so. Yeah, and I think like one of the things that some of us trainers can struggle with a little bit is balancing um, between meeting our dog's needs and then creating something kind of like an adrenaline junkie, um, a dog who really kind of always needs or always wants more. Um, so I don't know. I mean, you've got uh, an American Shepherd. They're pretty, uh, they can be pretty intense little guys. How do you kind of balance, you know, the flip side of it where, you know, teaching your dog how to settle and relax without enrichment and not over getting overly reliant on these pacifiers, um, which, you know, again, I, we, I think we fully endorse and want to give our dogs really enriched full lives, but we also want them to be able to sleep without, without that. Yeah. 
I, I love that you brought that up because it's my next dog will learn relaxation protocols sooner and more than my current dog. Cause you know, especially those of us who love to train, it's just so easy to overdo it and to teach them that um, the more we do it, behavior accelerates. And so can we accelerate that relaxation behavior and um, you know, doing um, relax, you know, the, the one, the, the thing that I do tie it in with kind of enrichment would be those targeted areas, whether it's the relaxation mat, the blanket that's on the couch where they can lay, the crate, the cot, you know, really creating those spaces in a routine way that your dog goes to regularly and settles. And with a young puppy, we're going to need to settle beside them first before they can do it on their own. And mm -hmm. slowly but surely shifting that. One of my current clients was having the five to seven o'clock zoomies with her young golden puppy that was just through the roof. And um, with all the stuff that we provide for them, she hadn't read the part of how important regular routines and naps are. And mm -hmm. that session that we did that day, I helped her schedule the nap in the crate, not just wherever the dog falls down and lies such that it turns into a cat nap that they keep getting startled awake as compared mm -hmm. to being in that crate with the covering over it, with the music on in at a particular time, the more we pair all of this stuff together in a routine way, the more all of us settle, not just our dogs. We're like, okay, yeah. that's my routine. Now I think I'll, I will actually meditate while that dog's asleep for 10 minutes. And mm -hmm. it, what's so cool bringing up this client is like, she has texted me three times this week going, oh my God, oh my God, I can't believe that the, just providing a routine nap for my dog has changed my dog. And yeah. she has regular routine naps that are happening for her puppy. So her five to seven zoomie bite everything, run after, crash into everybody is almost disappeared just from providing naps at the routines in the environments that make the most sense for us to build for a lifetime habit. All the food enrichment that I provide for my dog is always on a mat, a blanket, a crate, a, a trampoline. And I've and I didn't even know I was doing this from the get-go. And I can give my dog something out of the freezer and he will not um, do anything but take it to one of his spots that we've conditioned. Like he won't eat it anywhere that's not one of his spots. And I just love that that muscle memory mm -hmm. bec becomes what they choose. Yeah. Yeah. That's so great. I've noticed, um, yeah, similar things with, with my dogs. They, you know, even if they have the choice to take things wherever they want, they pretty much always go to their crates or their, their rugs. Um, yeah. And, and I, I think I, unless if, if we don't share with our clients that you have to do this first and you have to set it up, you know, it's we're of course we're going to do that. <laughs> You know, yeah. and, and it, to me, it's these funny little things that seem so easy to us that are coming so easy to spell it out with the puppy people first, you know, where, you know, they, they, they can be so happy with that catnap anywhere. And it's like, nope, let's get a mat underneath that. Let's get it in the, you know, to, to spell it out feels really important to as as trainers to remember to spell it out so that it they follow through and it happens for them, too. Yeah, absolutely. And I love, um, as we've been recording these podcast episodes, how we just keep coming back to the same thing. So we've got an entire podcast episode that I think is about to go live um, this coming week. Um, so a while before this one will go live, um, all about schedule making and helping your puppy learn how to nap. Um, so I just love Fantastic. that it all kind of keeps coming back in and linking back together. Um, so we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back to talk about um, more enrichment um, with Christine. And uh, here we go. This podcast is supported by the Puppy Raising Blueprint course, which you can find at journeydogtraining.com slash blueprint. In this course, which is partnered between Journey Dog Training and Canine of Mine, I guide you through everything from common problem behaviors like biting and potty training to the humane hierarchy of dog training. It's always available on a self-study basis at journeydogtraining.com blueprint. As a new puppy owner, I know how often we're cleaning up. While there's no replacement for management, supervision, and training, Clean Carls has my back for the times that I slip up and Diffler has an accident. 
Clean Carl's Pet Mess products get rid of stains and odors from dog poop and cat pee and everything in between without any added scents, so your house won't smell like poop or cleaning products. Plus, they're safe to use around both pets and kids. Next time your furry friend has an accident, try Clean Carl's Pet Mess Zapper and Remover. Use the code JOURNEY10 and get 10% off your first order. Just head over to cleancarls.com and use code JOURNEY10 at checkout. All right, Christine. So I wanted to kind of come back to one of the other kind of common hesitations I get from clients about some different types of enrichment. And one being when I suggest a kiddie pool full of sand to let their terrier dig up some hidden uh, treasures or um, recycling for the dog to shred or bully sticks for them to chew. I occasionally get worries from clients that that is teaching the dog to dig or rewarding the dog for digging or chewing or, you know, whatever it is. So can we talk a little bit about um, kind of how you handle those questions or, you know, kind of what our understanding is of how that works? Yes, um, it's what they do. So we need to provide that for them. And it, it I appreciate what you're saying, because it can that pushback. And, you know, I'm not going to say, you know, hey, it's what they do, they need to do. it. <laughs> and so yeah. I will, I will often, um, you know, ask more questions about um, if it's a dog that likes to dig, do you think that you can go on some hikes where they could dig on some hikes if you don't want to do it in the yard? Do you think you could um, provide something else that they can forage through with enrichment so that they have that opportunity to use up that energy? Because if we provide appropriate things for them to dig, they're not going to tear your couch apart. And when I'm able to spend a little bit of time helping them understand that we need to meet their needs and you know we've we limit their lifestyle compared to the you know the the street dog or mm-hmm. um you know what they you know when we when i was growing up the amount of freedom that my dog had to make all these choices versus how it's not appropriate now to let my dog be as free i have to figure out what they can do and how can I safely set it up? And I, if I have a client that doesn't want to do a dig box, doesn't want to go to the beach, doesn't want to go for a hike for that dog to dig, we're going to do some other things to use up that energy. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I think we can usually find, I think we can usually find something that works for, for everyone. Um, And I, I usually frame it, I think, similar to you, where it's, you know, these instincts already exist, this need is already here, Um, kind of channeling it appropriately usually helps more than it hurts. Um, If they know that you can dig here, um, then they're less likely to dig there. Um, If they have something that they're able to chew um, that is tasty or fun to shred, then they might be a little bit less likely to go elsewhere. And if that's not working out that way, I usually... um, kind of circle back to, okay, if my puppy is ignoring his bone and antler and really wanting to chew on wood, maybe it's because he needs something softer. Um, and if my enrichment isn't working and it's not getting the result that I had in mind, um, you know, kind of going back to the drawing board of, okay, he's turning down his, turning down something I'm offering. What, what is he looking for instead? And how can I find something that fills that need for him instead? Does that kind of make sense to you? Oh, I love that. And I love and and I think anyone who has a puppy that is struggling in that way, most trainers are really into enrichment. And so they if you're stuck, your trainer's going to have this whole list of different appropriate things that are similar to but not working. So mm-hmm. to to check in and and online there's just so many you can just google stuff and find so many cool things that would provide what they need, you know, where um, the there's a there's actually a, um, a a root that they can chew, you know, like the what I mm-hmm. when I go to you know the when I go to first puppy clients, I I don't have just my trainer bag. I kind of have three bags <laughs> full of things <laughs> for them to have all of those choices to see what the, so they don't have to buy everything that's in my bag but let's see what your dog likes this week and get some of these or something similar to that but novelty is something that we haven't touched on too much where yeah. so often all of our dogs like us are going to get bored with that same cool thing 
Mm-hmm. And so what I want people to do with the whole novelty thing is not necessarily throw out that cheese chew that they used to love or that, um, you know, whatever we've found that they love and suddenly they're leaving it. I want them to put it away for three weeks to a month and provide new ones and then bring it back out again in a few weeks to see if by not having that for a few weeks, is that entertaining again? And, you know, same with toys, you know, I like having mm-hmm. an appropriate hard and soft chew out in each room, but keeping the rest of them away, keeping the favorite ones away so that we become um, the providers of novel experiences for them to en- engage and choose in regularly. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I, I think as we're kind of winding down here, let's kind of circle back to the idea of, um, you know, really creative enrichment and particularly maybe enrichment that fits really nicely with specific breed or breed groups. Um, I know sometimes it's easy to think through, um, there are a variety of sports that make it kind of easier to think like, okay, you've got a border collie, consider herding or tri-ball or agility, or you've got a Malinois, consider bite sport, bite sports. Um, but what are some other kind of creative enrichment ideas, maybe for people who aren't interested in sports or don't have them nearby or have a, a breed who wouldn't be interested in one of the sports that, or wouldn't, would be less interested. I think a lot of dogs can learn to enjoy a lot of things. Um, but yeah, more enrichment I, ideas that are a little bit more creative beyond what we've already discussed. I would say parkour. If people don't know, I would start with parkour. So if people don't know what dog parkour is, um, so parkour is using the outside environment for activities for your dog. So whether it's a tree stump or um, where I live that I get to hike in um, the, the park that has a whole bunch of playgrounds that I can do some things in the playground um, and just logs that are on trails. Instead of just walking by that log, teaching our dog to learn the cue over, to go over that log can be so much fun. And, and you don't need to work too hard on doing this because you're running outside with your dog. You can run over the log first. Your dog's going to follow you as they're coming over, over. And pretty soon, if you're consistent, you'll be able to send them over. And they also like a tree stump, you can um, take, you know, head over to the tree stump, lure them up there with some food and step back and take a cool photo (laughs) for posting on Instagram. And if you do this regularly, your dog literally is going to run over to those elevated surfaces and pose for you because that's when they're getting paid attention to. That's when Mm -hmm. they're getting challenged. That's when they're getting food rewards. And so together you can figure out in the outdoor environments, how do I not just go on my walk? How do I make that walk more engaging for the dog? And whenever there's not kids in the um, parks that I walk by and the, the playgrounds are available, that's another great space to get them elevated up on things, get them used to different surfaces. And just that one-on-one time where you're treat rewarding them performing, no matter how big or little of a success they're having, they just love that attention. And some dogs are super good at it and can't wait to do even more. So you do have to watch out for my dogs. Really, he's too good at it. He can throw himself up on anything. And, you know, he's not afraid to fall off. So make sure you're spotting when you're doing if you're advancing your parkour, so they don't fall off, you know, so and again, it's so important for me to do this with him because he loves it so much. So finding the Mm -hmm. right thing that he loves to do, that I'm willing to do, and I love it too. So it's a perfect one for us. So that would be the first one. And I would say that even if you have like a water dog that you don't want to do water sports with, there's so many water activities you can do with your dog. We want to be careful with water. We want to make sure if we're letting them play in the sprinkler, they're not drinking too much water while they're playing in the sprinkler. Some of them love water a little too much, but as long as we're observing and they're not doing too much of it, getting the sprinkler out for your dog, if you don't have time to take them to dog beach, can be such a nice in-between activity for the dogs that love being around water. If your dog's new to water, if you have a young puppy, I highly recommend that you start slow and they will always do better 
getting used to a creek or a river, a sloped entry versus if you happen to be lucky like me near Dog Beach, you do not want to take your young puppy to crashing wave Dog Beach when they're young and ruin what water activity you might be able to do with them because you didn't start it slow and figure out what do they like, how do they like it, how can I um, provide small little portions of water activities that are fun at home, fun at the river and the creek, and eventually when they're older, maybe go to Dog Beach if that's appropriate for your dog because they do enjoy the social activity as well. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I love, yeah, making a point of making sure you're going slow. Um, my puppy has been, yeah, kind of gradually learning to walk out onto some gravel bars that don't go up much past his uh, his elbows um, as, as he's kind of learning to enjoy the water. Um, do you have any others that you kind of wanted to mention or any other ideas that we haven't gone over yet as we're kind of wrapping up here? Um. It's a lot of work, but snuffle parks, and if you have dog friends and you want to nerd out, making a snuffle park that lots of dogs can participate in. Okay. And I teach, at, I teach at a dog camp in the summertime, and so we make this really big snuffle park that in particular has different scents for them to engage in. Whether it's my friends that have brushed their cats and their ferrets and chinchillas that I take all that fur with me to camp um, so that they have those different scents that I provide around. Um, you can actually buy urine at like mm -hmm. hunting stores and you can provide the urine scents for them. You know, again, this is a big project that um, mostly just dog nerds would want to do, but if you do take the time to do it and you have other friends that want to participate with you and, and you can make a small version of it too. If your friend has a cat and you don't have a cat, have them brush their cat and, or give you something that their cat has laid on to have in your house. You know, it's so interesting how that alone can really entertain your dog mm -hmm. and make them curious and excited. And, and it can also help them be kind to cats. You know, there's so many benefits that, um, as we kind of dig in to the different things that we can provide for them, it doesn't just help in the moment. It helps with everything. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So if people are really excited about enrichment and want more ideas or maybe to see photos or DIY videos, do you have any kind of favorite resources for people to go check out more enrichment ideas? Sure. Of course, I'll start with my shameless self-promotion <laughs> where oh, um, yeah. my, myself and Laura Nativo have made a canine enrichment guide and you can go to the puppycarecompany.com and just um, sign up for that and we'll send it off to you. It also comes with a really cool checklist that you can put on the fridge. And that's the thing Ooh. that I think is key is once you learn different ones to do, remembering them. And so having that checklist can be really cool, but enrichment, you know, it's part of why I love it so much. You can, there's so many great resources. Um, Emily Strong's book. Um, I don't have the title in front of me. Do you her? Canine Enrichment for the Real World. And um, there's a few different enrichment books that are fantastic. There's fantastic enrichment groups on Facebook. And there's, and when you just type it in, if you haven't typed it into Google, you'll just be amazed with what comes up to find the different things and like we've been talking about really start with what your dog loves to do so if your dog is a young puppy that's using its mouth too much doing some enrichment that is about long-lasting chews and frozen enrichments can be the first ones to get into and then as they get older having the more dynamic ones um mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, um, at, in our show notes, so on, on the website, I'll make sure that we drop in all of these links and I'll find a couple, um, choice Facebook groups. And I know I've written a couple articles, both on journey dog training and canine of mine that I'll drop in as well. Um, so Christine, I know you also have a couple really exciting things going on online right now, particularly with the app clubhouse. Do you want to tell us about that as we're, um, rounding out here and let people know where else to find you? 
Yes. Um, if you guys have not got on Clubhouse yet and you like social media things, it's my new favorite. And it's very different than any of the social media that I've participated on. Um, if you're new to it, the shortest description I could offer someone is, is it's like, um, it's audio only. And so it's like conversational podcasting. So if you're a podcasting fan, you might really enjoy jumping in to Clubhouse. Unfortunately, you need an iPhone or an iPad right now. They will open it up to Androids. Um, and you can also find out how to join and all the details of it on um, join doglovers.com is a myself and Lauren Ativo who do a lot of projects together. We have a group in Clubhouse called the Dog Lovers Club. And anyone who has any questions on Clubhouse, it can be um, overwhelming and chaotic to figure it out. And we're just happy to help. And so reach out mm -hmm. to us and we would love to have you there because it's, it's such an intimate environment getting to know each other through tone of voice only. And it's really the culture of Clubhouse and what they're doing in there is, has been very exciting. I spend way too much time there, but it's been really cool <laughs> to make a difference in um, the positive reinforcement community in there is really big, really growing, really exciting. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, I know I have gotten to the point where I've downloaded the app and have opened it a couple times. And it is it is a little bit confusing, but it does seem like a very cool medium. So I'm glad that I now I know a place to go and start and uh, hopefully get get into the swing of it a little bit more easily. Um, do you have any other places that you would like people to go to find you online? I know we've already mentioned your website, and I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. But anything else you want to make sure we mention? Um, Instagram stories is where I keep people posted and there's some highlights for enrichment in there and okay. the the dog lovers club um facebook group are and anything related to clubhouse is where most of my attention will go for <laughs> the next little while um but Sorry. i'm really good if, if someone reaches out to me and has a particular question um if you reach out to me on the website or on any of my social media i will get back to you um, in, in whatever form is your favorite. And so if you have questions, you're struggling with anything with enrichment, I'm always happy to help. So thank you so much for coming on, Christine. I think this is going to be really helpful for people and hopefully they've gotten some good ideas and some new ideas for enrichment and why it matters for them and their puppies. Um, so for our listeners, thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure that you've subscribed. Um, if you haven't already, make sure that you review and consider supporting the podcast and getting more amazing info by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash pandemic puppy. You can always sign up for the puppy raising blueprint course over at journeydogtraining.com slash blueprint and make sure you join the free pandemic puppy raising support group over on Facebook. We will be back with you next week to talk about more puppy raising topics and um, we'll talk to you then.